Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. And that is exactly what we're going to discover today. When you let that light shine, when you let your light shine, it can absolutely change the world. Uh, I have to apologize today. I am under the weather, so my voice and uh, a little bit congested today, so I apologize for that. Uh, I really think the song and the scripture that matches the song that we sang, The, the Weak Made Strong, uh, really ap- applies because first service, I was felt very weak, and uh, the Lord helped me through it, and I trust he's going to help me this service as well. If you have a Bible with you and you would like to follow along the Bible in the book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 3 today. I'm reading from a version called the TLV version. Uh, it may not match exactly what your version is. The, the Bible was <clears throat> originally written in Hebrew and in Greek. Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in much of the New Testament. And that is the source material. All of the translations of the Bible were translated out of those two original manuscripts or those, those two languages. And so sometimes you see different differences in different translations. It's not that the word of God is inaccurate. It's just people are translating it to the best uh, of their understanding. And so sometimes you see different words, but mostly it is uh, very understandable between different uh, translations. Um, This series, we have been covering this section called, or these three sections called Sit, Walk, Stand. And that's really what the book of Ephesians is divided into. Learning how to sit and receive from the Lord and rest in the Lord and hear from the Lord. Then learning how to walk. How do I then walk that out in my life? How do I live a life for God in this world? And then how do I stand and face the spiritual battles that are inevitably going to come my way? How do I stand for Christ in this world and stand against the forces of the enemy as they attack me? As we're in this sit stage, and that's really the first three chapters, I'm going to encourage you just to sit and receive and rest in the Lord and wait upon the Lord and listen to the Lord's voice. Until we take care of ourselves, we're not in a position to be able to walk it out and stand for God and make a difference in this world. We have to first receive and take care of ourselves and let him heal us from the inside out, to become who God wants us to be, to understand what it means to be blessed in every, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, to understand what it means to be completely forgiven by the almighty God, the creator God, to understand what it means to forgive others, to deal with my own stuff. And once I've done that, I'm in a position now to live that out in this world. And today is a continuation of that. We're still sitting. We're still receiving 
listening to and waiting on the Lord. What does he have for me? What does he want to show me? How does he want to change me from the inside out? How do I, how do I get healed from the things that I need to be healed from? Nobody comes from a perfect background in any way. We all come from homes that are very dysfunctional, not because your parents are just awful or anything, but because we live in a sin-filled world. There is no perfect family, so we all need healing, uh, some more than others, but all need healing from the core of the inside of who we are. And that's what we do when we sit and receive. Now, last week... In chapter 2, we were reminded of some things. What Paul has covered in chapter 1 was he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have been adopted into his family. We have been forgiven. We have been chosen by God. We have been redeemed by God. We have been set free by the work of Jesus. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have an eternity that we can look forward to with God. For those of you that have trusted, put your faith in Jesus. Then in chapter 2, we learned about looking backwards. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's who you used to be. Don't forget where you have come from. You can appreciate where you're at today when you remember where you have come from, how God, how far God has lowered the rope in order to rescue us. And so we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We were walking according to the course of the world, the way that the world operates. We were just going along with the flow. And then God, but God, in his great mercy, in his great love, set us free. He gave us grace. He made us alive. He came into our lives, and we became different. And then Paul last week said, I want you to even more remember who you were, but now understand who you are. You're not who you used to be. You're different, you're changed, you're brand new, you've been transformed. He said this last week, you were separate. You were excluded. You were strangers. You were far off. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. And Paul was reminding the church in Ephesus, this is who you used to be. Don't forget who you used to be. Remember who you used to be, and then you can appreciate who God has made you to be now. Because even though as Gentiles, and that's what we all are, we are all Gentiles. That's anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So that's the rest of the world. Anybody who is a Gentile was this. No hope, without hope, without God in the world. And that's probably the worst state that people could be in. Dealing with that feeling of hopelessness, that feeling of lostness, that feeling of sadness and depression and, and, and no purpose and no meaning to life, that is the saddest state of the world. And that's how most of the world is today. Without hope, because they are without God in this world. They have rejected God, turned away from God, and because of that, not having any hope. And Paul reminds the church in Ephesus, but now you're different. That was then... This is now. Now you are brought near. Now you are reconciled. Now you have access to God. You have been granted access with the king. You know, think of a king. Think of uh, it, whether it's a modern day king or a king in your mind or things from you seen from a movie. A king, a regular person had no access to the king. You couldn't get near the king. The king would be protected by bodyguards and, and military and, and servants. You could not get near the king. And that's the way it was. You couldn't get 
near God, but now you have access. It's like, like the, you can just walk right in the room anytime you want to and have a conversation and love on and receive love from the King, the Almighty God, the creator of all things. You have now have access. You're no longer strangers, but now you're citizens of the kingdom of God and of God's family. With those thoughts in mind, we're going to continue into chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, then we're going to pray, and then I want to come back and explain what Paul is saying, because as I read this, it may not make sense. I don't know if it will or not. Paul is a brilliant writer. He's a brilliant theologian. Paul has deep thoughts, and sometimes it's hard to follow Paul's way of thinking and his way of teaching because they're so deep. Sometimes Paul starts a thought, then he gets on a tangent, and he does that for several verses, and then he comes back to his original thought. And that's actually what happens here. Verse 1, he starts a thought, then he goes off into a tangent, and then verse 14, he comes back to his original thought. Let me explain what Paul is saying because it's pretty amazing what God is calling us to be. Let's look at this. I'm going to read again from the TLV version, starting in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. It says this, For this reason I, Paul... Now, what reason? Well, everything we just covered in chapter 2. Because you were dead, you're alive. You were separate, now you're brought near. You were strangers, but now you're a part of the family. For that reason, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus, of Messiah Yeshua, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the plan of God's grace given to me for you, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote before briefly. When you read this, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, of Messiah, which was not made known to previous generations. It was not made known to the sons of men in those other generations, but it has been now. It's now been revealed by the Spirit, the Ruach in Hebrew, to his holy apostles, emissaries, missionaries, and prophets. This mystery is that the Gentiles are joint heirs and fellow members of the same body and co-sharers of the promise in Messiah Yeshua through the good news. I became a servant of this good news by the gift of God's favor given to me through the exercise of his power. This favor was given to me, the very least of his saints, of his holy ones, Kedoshim in Hebrew, to proclaim to the Gentiles the endless riches of the Messiah and to bring to light the plan of the mystery, which for ages was hidden in God who created all things. The purpose is that through Messiah's community, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, which is in keeping with the eternal purpose that he carried out in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. In him, we have boldness and access with confidence through trusting in him. So I ask you not to be discouraged by my troubles. On your behalf, they are... Your glory. Today's message can be summed up with this title, Letting the Light Shine. What we want to do is pray and then get into this word because there's some things in this word that Paul just said that are going to make sense as I start to clarify and break them apart for you. Let's pray and ask for God to bless our time. Father, we want to hear from you. 
I want to thank you, God, that you have given us access. It's like we have a backstage pass to you. We, we have access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We have access to the Almighty God, the creator of the universe. We can approach you. Your word says in Hebrews that we can approach your throne of grace with confidence, which means we can just approach you and talk to you. We can approach you and climb up on your lap. We can approach you and receive the love that you have intended for us. And I want to thank you for that. I'm thankful, Lord, that there's no longer separation. But in you, there is inclusion. You have brought all of us together in you. It is through Jesus that we have hope, that we have meaning, that we have purpose. It is through Jesus that we have an identity, that we are healed from the inside out. Lord, as we open your word and study your word today, we pray for your blessing upon it. We don't want to just waste our time. We want to hear from you. Lord, speak to our hearts, to our minds. Help us, Lord, to be who you want us to be. And as we leave this place a little bit later, help us to feel not only encouragement from you, but the conviction to want to be your lights in this world. We thank you and we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me get into the word. What was Paul saying? It's kind of confusing when you read some of the thoughts of Paul. Uh, let's try to make sense out of what he is saying. He starts with this. He starts with this concept and this idea that he calls the mystery. What is this mystery? Well, the mystery is this, that God wants to give access to everyone to him. That's the mystery. That's the simple way to say the mystery. The Jewish people were committed to being separate. They were committed to being separate and apart from the world. We are the chosen people of God. We are the called ones of God. We are the loved ones of God, the protected ones of God. And in the Old Testament, it focuses on the Jewish people. But in several different places, God says, I'm going to use the Jewish people to be a light to the world. But they forgot about that. They forgot about being a light and they became separatists. It's all about us, and let's exclude everybody else. We're the ones going to heaven. We are the ones of God, and everybody else is going to hell. He talked about the Gentiles. I, I told you that last week, that the Gentiles, some of, uh, some of the very orthodox rabbis or orthodox Pharisees had a saying for the Gentiles that they are just the kindling wood that are going to burn in the fires of hell. They despised the Gentiles. They despised uh, anybody who was not one of them. They thought they were the excluded ones. We are included. They are excluded. The mystery that Paul says is this. You're completely wrong, Jews, because God's grace is for everybody. As I mentioned in my prayer, God is a God of inclusion. It doesn't matter male, female. doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter uh, socioeconomic status. God's all-encompassing, bringing everyone together around the world, across time. It's all included in God. However, you can't come to God on your terms. You have to come to God on his terms. There is no other way. 
There's no other plan. There is no other person other than Jesus himself. That is the only way God has said you can come to the Father. You can gain access to God. So God is a God not of separation but of inclusion. He's broken down the wall of separation so that all can be brought together. If you follow Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, if you are putting your faith in him. So he breaks down this idea of the mystery. Now look what he says. Multiple places. I, Paul, I'm a prisoner of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you've heard about the plan. Go back. The plan of God's grace. So the plan is God's grace. God wants to give grace. His his kindness, his love, his unmerited favor toward everyone. This is the plan of God's grace. It was given to me for you that the mystery was made known by the revelation. He goes on to say, you can understand my insight into the mystery of the Messiah. He goes on to say this, this mystery is that the Gentiles are joint heirs fellow members of the same body and co-shares of the promise of in Messiah Yeshua through the good news. See, this is God's mystery. And the mystery was at that time, everybody who wasn't a Jew was excluded. But in Jesus, everybody now is included. And that covers all ages from that moment on. And Paul's saying, here's the deal. It's a mystery. It wasn't known. It wasn't aware. But now it's known. And my part in it, Paul says, is that I am the one to bring the light of the plan of the mystery. Here's what Paul is doing. He is a light to the Gentiles. Now, Paul, again, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious Jewish person who would have had the attitude that every other Jew had. And that was the the Jews are superior and Gentiles are awful. Now, everything's flipped and Paul is saying, wait a second, I was wrong. I love the Gentile, every other person in the world, and I'm going to bring the good news to them. And so he becomes a light bearer of the plan. Being a light is what God calls us to be. Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount says this in Matthew 5. He says, you, now he would have been talking to a Jewish audience, but it really extends beyond that, extends to us in this room today. You, me, we are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. So I have a candle up here. Here's what Paul is saying and what Jesus is saying, that you are this. You are a light to the world. When Jesus comes into your heart, you become a light bearer to the world. I remember... Being a kid, my father worked in an underground coal mine in southern Illinois when I, when, uh, I was young, uh, before he got transferred out here to Wyoming when I was in elementary school. But I remember being a young kid, and he was working in that underground coal mine, and they had an open house for all of the family. The families could come, and they could get on the elevator that takes them down the shaft into the coal mine. Once we got down into the coal mine, we could go on a tour, and you could see how it all works and the way that the operation is. And I remember being at one point on that tour, 
square, it was the, the mine was all lit up. But I mean, you're far down uh, underground, and the mine was all lit up. The lights were on, and now the tour guide said, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut off all of the lights." And he did shut off all the lights. And it was the darkest, pitchest black that I have ever seen. You could not see your hand in front of your face. You could not see it at all. You couldn't see the person next to you. It was the darkest that I have ever experienced in my life. And then he just lit a match. That lit match lit up that underground mine in that area that we were in. One single light lights up the darkness. The darkness does not invade the light. The light invades the darkness. And Jesus says, you're a light. And who would take a light and put it under a basket? Who would take a light and put it under a bucket? That doesn't make any sense. Yet... That is how many Christians live their lives. Many Christians live their lives as secret agent Christians. I don't want anybody to know about me, so I'm going to hide my real identity and not let anybody know that I am a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not calling you to hide your light under a basket. I am calling you to be a light to a hurting and dark world. Because if you do, he says this, you put it on a lampstand and it lights up all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. Glorify your father who is in heaven. So Paul's saying, I'm a light bearer of the good news to the Gentile world who once had no hope, but now have the opportunity to have hope. And this is the mystery. And so we are called to be lights to this world as well. I want to show you just quickly four things about being a light to the world that Paul is really going to relate through the things that he just said. First one is this. Shining your light requires you to be lit. Now, lit is a euphemism anymore for being drunk or high. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, I guess drunk in the Lord, I guess you could think that. But shining your light requires you to be lit. You have to be on fire for God. You have to have allowed him to come into your life in order to light your heart. To light the candle inside of you. You can't shine what you do not have. I'm afraid that we have a lot of, in in the American church, we have a lot of so-called Christians who will go to church, who will sing some songs, listen to a message, maybe throw some money in an offering plate, but they haven't really been lit. They haven't really accepted Jesus. They're just going through the motions, following through the rituals, and they really haven't had the personal experience of God lighting their hearts. Here's what Paul says in the verses we read in chapter 3. He said this, I became a servant of this good news by the gift of God's favor given to me. I experienced this because God came to me and he lit my heart. 
and he changed me. We talked about that. Pastor Stephen preached a message in January about the road to Damascus experience that Paul had. Paul was going to, to, uh, to arrest and persecute uh, Christians. God met him on the road to Damascus, blinded him, took him to his knees, changed him completely. And from that moment on, he was different going forward. Who he was, the experience he had, and who he became was that moment where his heart was lit on fire. He says, I received the gift of God, the gift of God's grace. I realized I didn't deserve it. I deserved to go to hell. I was a sinner. I knew I was, I was destined for, for eternal destruction, and yet God gave me grace. And when I received the grace of God, my heart was lit up for him, and it was through him, it was not about me. He says, this favor was given to me the very least of his kedoshim. Now, the word kedoshim is just a Hebrew word for saints. Kedosh means holy. Kedoshim means holy ones. I'm the very least of the people of God. And what that is is genuine humility. It's not about me. I'm not so special. I'm not so great. It's not narcissistic. It's God's favor given to me, and he remained humble in the process. In him, we have, look at this, we have boldness, and we have access with confidence through trusting in him. How do I get lit by God? I trust in him. And when I trust in him, I have boldness and access to him. I have been given, as I think I said in my prayer, a backstage pass to God. It's like nobody else can get in, only the ones that have access. Or he's a king, and everybody else gets pushed aside. You can't get to the king. Push him aside. The one that has access can. So you can boldly walk in in the middle of his, whatever he's doing, there is the king. You can boldly walk in and approach the throne because you have access to him. So Paul has access because he trusted in him. And when he trusted in him, his candle was lit. And now he's ready to do God's work in this world. Has your candle been lit? Have you said, Jesus, I trust in you and I want to follow you. And I want to give you my heart. And when you do that, the candle gets lit. Now you're ready to go and work for him. John Wesley famously said this quote, it's at least attributed to him. He said, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. When you're lit for God, people can't help but notice. And it doesn't even mean that you have to be saying the words. It's just the way you live your life. Your attitude, your actions, your behavior, your tone of voice, your body language, the decisions you make, people can tell that there's something different about you. Number two, not only do we, you, you, shining your light requires you to be lit, but number two, shine your light where you are planted. Where you're planted. Where are you planted in life? I don't know how many of you are from Gillette or how many of you are, have moved here, how many of you were, uh, chose to move here, how many of you, this, this is where I had to move. Uh, I remember coming here, my parents came, 
I was in the fifth grade. We had never heard, I'd never even heard of Wyoming. I was, you know, little kid. I hadn't really heard other than it was on the map. Um, I thought people still rode horses and rode in stagecoaches around here. And my parents moved here from, you know, family members, the city areas, and they moved here and they thought this is the end of the known world. This is it. It's over. Yet, wherever God has you, he can use you. Whatever God has you in, you can shine your light. Notice this. Verse 1 of what we read. Where is Paul? For this reason, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, for the sake of you Gentiles. Where is he? He is in prison. Ephesus, uh, this letter that he is writing to the church in Ephesus, he's writing it from a jail cell. This is one of the prison epistles that Paul would write. Paul was sitting in jail writing to this church. You might think, what possible good can come out of somebody sitting in jail? Well, Paul had a good approach to it. He said, I'm here because this is where Jesus wants me. And if this is where Jesus wants me, then I will let him use me however he wants to use me in the place where I am planted. Where are you planted? You may say, well, it's the job that you're in, or maybe it's the city or the community that you live in. You live here, and so God has planted me here. What difference can I make while I'm here? Or you may be in a job. Maybe you're a coal miner, and you're planted at the coal mine. And you think, well, what can I do? Well, you can be a light for Christ in the midst of that system. In the midst of the people that you work with or carpool with or ride the bus with, you can be a light for God. Maybe you're a school teacher and God is going to use you. Maybe, maybe you're in the healthcare industry. Maybe you're a doctor or a nurse or someone else. God can use you where you're at in that moment if you just say, God, here I am, use me. That's how he used us. Maybe you're a bus driver. Maybe you work in a fast food restaurant. Maybe you work at Walmart. Maybe you're a business owner. However, God has planted you. That's how he's going to use you. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. In the book of Exodus, Moses was going to be used by God to be the deliverer of the people. Yet there was a problem, and the problem was for 40 years, Moses had run away. And Moses was tending sheep. He was a rancher. He was a sheep herder. He was tending sheep for 40 years. God called him to deliver the people. Moses thought, I am the most inadequate. I'm the, I'm the least person you should call. I'm the least of all of these. Why would you call me? Moses came up with all kinds of arguments with God when God called him to be the deliverer of the people. Every argument that Moses had, God showed him the truth. One of the arguments that, God, that Moses gave to God was this one. Moses said in Exodus 4, as God was saying, you're, you're going to be the deliverer, Moses said this, but look, God, the people will not believe me. If I come to them and say, you called me, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe me or listen to my voice. They're going to say, Adonai has not appeared to you, Moses. You're nuts. So Adonai was going to give him a sign. Adonai said to him, what is that in your hand, Moses? Well, what was in the hand of Moses? It was a shepherd's staff. Why? Because he was a shepherd. God said to him, cast your staff on the ground. 
When Moses cast it to the ground, it became a snake, a serpent. And Moses did exactly what I did, would do. Moses fled from before it. Moses ran away, became a snake, I'm out of here. I think in the parentheses, in the white space in your Bible, you could probably note, and he probably screamed like a little child. Probably write that in there as well. Because that's what I would have done. Because I am afraid of snakes. Now, God said to him, Moses, stretch out your hand and take it by the tail, which is nuts. That is just insane. Can you imagine? We live in Wyoming. Maybe you've seen a rattlesnake at some point. Can you imagine God saying to you, hey, go ahead and grab the rattle. It'll like it. Grab the rattle. No problem. Stretch out your hand, take it by the tail. So he put out his hand, laid hold of it, and it became a staff in his hand again. God said, this is so that they may believe Adonai, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. What is in your hand? That's the question. Maybe you're a carpenter and what's in your hand is a hammer. And God will use that to impact the people of this community. Maybe what's in your hand, again, is a steering wheel of a mine truck or a bus. And God will use that to impact the people around you in this community. Maybe what's in your hand is a pencil. You're a teacher and you grade papers. And God will use you to impact the kids in your classroom and your fellow teachers. Maybe you're a healthcare person and what's in your hand is healthcare stuff. Maybe a stethoscope or, or hopefully not a needle. But maybe that's what it is. God is going to use it for you, for his sake. What is in your hand? That's what God will use. So shine your light where you are planted. That's the principle. Number three, I want you to note that he says, okay, you got to be lit on fire. You need to shine your light where you're planted, but shining your light may cost you. Has shining your light for Jesus ever cost you anything? I bet it has. What did it cost Paul? Go back to verse 1, as I read before. Again, where is he? He's in prison. What did it cost Paul to shine his light for Jesus to the Gentile world? Well, number one, the Jews hated Paul because he was going to the Gentiles. In fact, the early church that was made up of mostly Jews that had been converted into Christians, Messiah, followers of Messiah, they also hated the fact that Paul was going to the Gentiles. In fact, they had a council about this, trying to determine, well, okay, if God is going to open the door to them, what do we want to make them do? Do they need to get circumcised? And they had this whole council about it. He was despised by fellow Christians. He was despised by Jews. He was despised by the Roman government. He was despised by all of the other people in Ephesus who were following false gods because he ruined their businesses. He was despised by everybody. So much so that he was thrown in prison. It cost Paul his freedom. What is shining your light going to cost? Well, it for some may cost you an income. For some, it may cost you friendships. For some, it may cost you a promotion. For some, it may cost a boyfriend-girlfriend situation because you've realized the person you are with is not following the Lord and I cannot stay with them because we are not to be unequally yoked. It may cost you a lot 
Paul, though, counted this cost toward him as a momentary, very light affliction. It says this, Paul writes this about himself in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart. We're not worried about what it costs us. We're not going to lose heart. Though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is recharged by God. We are being renewed every day. For our trouble, light and momentary, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. As we look not at what can be seen, we don't look at the temporary, we look at what cannot be seen, and that is the eternal. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. So what does Paul say? I know this is an inconvenience. I don't really want to be in prison. I don't want to lose my freedom. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose my friendships. I don't maybe want to give up that boyfriend-girlfriend situation. I don't want to give that up. But I need to look at the big picture instead of focusing on the little picture. Most people are little picture followers instead of big picture seers. And we look at the temporary rather than the eternal. When God says, I want you to look at the eternal and not worry about the temporary. It may cost. But Paul says this cost is momentary and it's light. And in the whole scheme of eternity, you're not even going to notice. It's going to be a blip on the screen of eternity. Even though it may cost you. Number four. Shining your light has eternal rewards. What are the eternal rewards? Well, here's what Paul says in what we read. Paul says this, and we'll close with these thoughts. Paul says, I became a servant of this good news by the gift of God's favor given to me through the exercise of his power. It was given to me, the very least of all, in order to proclaim to the Gentiles the endless riches of the Messiah and to bring to light the plan of the mystery. Paul says, you know, here's the eternal reward. I'm going to proclaim to the Gentiles that they have hope, that they can trust in Jesus, that they can be saved. And you know what may happen? They may give up the temporary and they may start looking at the endless riches that God has in store. Some may get saved. And they can escape hell forever. And they don't have to go there. And they can have the hope. And that is the eternal reward. The eternal reward is not about, what, what do I get out of this? Who cares? The eternal reward is, I care about people. And I don't want to see any go to hell. I hope that's your heart too. That you say, you know what? My heart breaks when I look around at coworkers, when I look around at stadiums filled with people, and I think, how many of these people are headed for hell? And it breaks my heart. And if just one could get saved, that is the eternal reward. We went to a Denver Broncos football game this year. Um, not a good season for the Broncos, but we'll, we'll get into that later. <laughs> anyway, had a good time going with my son. Pastor Stephen and Brittany went along as well. And uh, 
we were there and I was, we were sitting there. The stadium was packed. I don't know how many thousand, 65,000 people maybe. And I just found myself in the middle of the game looking around and thinking, how many of these people are headed for hell? And how much that breaks the heart of God when he said, here's the way. And it breaks my heart to see the same thing. The eternal rewards of shining your light are immense. If just one person can get saved. Paul says this, and we'll close with this verse, these verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, he says this. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. What, what does he mean? I want to serve people in the hopes that I can bring them, bring many to Jesus. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. But I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. You, you kind of see Paul's heart? I want to bring to Christ. I want to bring to Christ. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to, you know, sin. I, I'm going to do what I need to do to keep following God. I, I do obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Do you see Paul's heart? I want to bring to Christ, bring to Christ, bring them to Christ, bring them to Christ to save some, to spread the good news, to share in its blessings. See, that is what being a light for God is all about. So this section of Ephesians, Paul is saying it's a mystery. And the mystery was this, that God's intention from the very beginning was to bring all people to him. Not just the Jews, but to bring everyone. God's intention was to give grace to people. Not that they had to follow the laws and the rituals to get there, but I want to give you grace. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. We deserve God's justice. But instead, he gives us mercy, and he throws on top of that his grace. We learned about that before. That is God's heart. That is the mystery. The mystery is there's no more separation. It's all inclusion in Jesus. But there's only one way, and it is through trusting in him. And when you trust in him, he lights you on fire. And now he says, take that light and be a light to this world. Don't hide it under a basket. Let it go everywhere you go. With your words, with your tone of voice, with your body language, with your attitude, your behaviors, the decisions you make, you take that light into the world and people will notice. And ultimately, you can have an impact on bringing some to Jesus himself. We're going to close with a word of prayer. And after we do that, I'm going to have you stand. And we're going to do a public reading together in unison of Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. Would you join your hearts with me in prayer as we pray? Father, my hope, my prayer, and my longing is that we, number one, are on fire for you. That you would light our hearts. Some, Lord, their flames are just barely a flicker right now. 
Some, they have hidden those flames under the basket, and some have never had that flame ignited. If there's anyone in this room, Lord, or anyone watching who has never trusted in you, that this would become the moment where you light them on fire. In your word, in Revelation 3, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who hears my voice and lets me and I will come in and dine with him. Lord, you're standing at the door of our hearts knocking. And there are some that need to say to you, please come into my life, Jesus. Please forgive me of the mess. Please come into my house. But it's a mess, I know. It's chaotic, I know. I know you can clean it up. Please come in. Please forgive me. And please have a relationship with me. I put my trust in you. When that happens, Lord, light us on fire and make us yours. Give us opportunity after opportunity where we can let our lights shine in the community here where we are planted. And for those that may be transitioning to a different community, Lord, take that light and make an impact there. I believe, Lord, that you have spread us out in this community in different avenues and places, different ways of influence that we can make a difference for you. Help our lights to shine for you in this darkened world that seems to get, be getting darker and darker as it turns further and further from you. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we leave, that you would encourage us, and that you would help us to boldly walk with you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please? And we're going to just read Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4, as a public uh, benediction as we leave this place. So just read along with me uh, out loud. Let's start. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he cause his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Amen. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. God bless you all. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.